Work is no longer just about productivity and metrics. It's about people. And when we focus on positivity, communication, belonging, and development, the numbers take care of themselves. This is Work Human Radio, where we talk to authors, researchers, and business leaders about the latest trends making work more human around the world. Here's your host, Mike Wood. Welcome back to another Work Human Radio. My name is Mike Wood. I'm your host, and I have a great guest today. I am talking about the gift of gratitude and the power of kindness with Dr. Patrick Malone. He's the director of key executive leadership programs at American University, and he is the proud new grandfather as of yesterday. So uh, congratulations on that, and <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you, Mike. It is a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so baby born on Veterans Day. <laughs> You know, it's going to be an easy day to remember. It was 11-11, so, you know, that'll be pretty simple. She'll probably be good with that, and I'll definitely remember that birthday every single year without a doubt. That's great. <laughs> My niece is actually born on 11-11, so. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, yeah, yeah, how cool it's, is it's, that? It's very easy to remember. So I wanted to kind of give our listeners a sneak peek into what you're going to be talking about at Work Human Live, which is in May in San Antonio. You're going to be talking about the gift of gratitude, power of kindness. Can you just kind of give us a little bit about your background and some of the work that you've done and how it can apply to our HR audience? Oh, absolutely. Thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity, Mike. And hello to everybody. This topic is a fascinating topic. I think for years, all of us have been in positions in the workplace and even in life. You know, it's it's so focused on achievement. In fact, I saw research last week that, that said that parents value achievement over caring now for new parents, which is a little frightening, but you know, we've been kind of pushed toward this got to achieve, got to achieve, got to achieve. And in leadership, it's a new acronym every month. And one of the things that we've seen in recent years and what I've been working on in the last several years is trying to figure out what the impact of just basic gratitude and kindness is. And I've been doing this at American University now for the last 12 years or so. And prior to that, I had 20 some odd years as a naval officer and in the healthcare field. So this has been a long time interest of mine is how people work together, how they bond together, not really just how they bond together, like how they achieve things and work in teams, but how they connect kind of heart to heart and soul to soul. And that's kind of what fueled my interest in this idea of kindness. And there's just one of the things that we have seen in the last probably 10 or 15 years is that the neuroscience is now catching up with what all the leadership folks have been saying, which is it matters. And now we're actually able to measure these things in the human body and we're able to see concrete, real performance in organizations. So it's pretty exciting. I think that's great. And obviously, at Work Human, we promote gratitude. And it's the little things that you do to make work better. If you are happy at work, you're going to do better work. We've had tons of research that says that. One of the things I noticed that you're going to talk about is how to understand authentic versus fake kindness. So Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? A lot of programs out there now are talking about authenticity, and this is work that's been around for a while. A guy named Warren Bennis, years and years ago, kind of brought this concept up. And and when I do this work with folks, one of the things I typically try to do is challenge and say, okay, all right, I'm authentic. No, I'm really authentic. And it's like, well, how do we know we're authentic? And how do we know that we're not just kind of putting on a role? And how do you find that true part of self where you exercise different styles in your relationships? Sometimes you need to be a little bit more assertive. Sometimes you need to be a little bit of the gate guard kind of thing. But how do we do that and maintain 
a moral compass, a north pointing, if you will, where we are and what we're about. And that's the secret about authenticity. One of the things that happens sometimes is that people will say they're authentic, but really all they're doing is kind of playing the role of authenticity. And one of the things that we know from recent research on mirror neurons and other types of neurochemical reactions in the brain is that we do have a true sense of whether someone's being real with us. It's that I mean, we talked before. I have three daughters. When they would bring someone home that was going to take them out on a date, that internal, you know, gastric kind of kind of feeling was coming over me. About, Dude, am I comfortable with this person or am I not? And that turns out is driven all the way from the periaqueductal gray, all the way down the vagus nerve and into the abdomen. So we really do feel this for a reason. And when we sense inauthenticity in others, we get that physical feeling. But I think what's happened over the years, and this is just one of the downsides, I think, of the way we've done development over the years, is that we've spent so much time focusing on metrics and data. And, you know, those things matter but in reality, what really matters is that connection human-to-human. And that's where this question of authenticity is. That's great. As I've been working at Work Human for now about six years, I, we have a platform that enables employees to give gratitude to each other. And there are lots of recognition providers out there in the landscape. And I know that one of them kind of trying to gamify giving recognition. So they have a leaderboard, like who gives the most recognition, plus they have a points bank that you have to use every quarter. So let's say I have 300 points that I have to give out at the end of the quarter. Now I know if I'm one of those employees and I get a reward at the end of the quarter, is it real or is it just someone needing to spend their balance or trying to get something for themselves? It sure does sound like the latter, doesn't it? As you're telling me this, I'm thinking, okay, where is this going to go? It's <laughs> because I've got this kind of yucky feeling going, well, first of all, the programs are great, the opportunity to have like a gratitude wall or something like that. But when you start placing measurements or tangible rewards on that, I think it kind of defeats the purpose. And it makes it more of a game. It makes it more like, okay, here we go again, employee of the month, got to do it now kind of thing. When in reality, where kindness and gratitude and authenticity originate is really in the heart. And in order for us to create that in our workplaces and in our lives, it's got to be real. It's got to come up from below. And those feelings are not things that we have been taught in the past are, quote, appropriate or, quote, professional to share in the workplace. And that's been one of our biggest faults, I think. And I think if we can get back to that, you know, Maya Angelou had a lovely quote. First of all, Anyone who wants to really start a path toward kindness and gratitude and reflection, just read a Maya Angelou quote every day because it'll get you on the right path. And one of the things that she said at one point was, people will never remember what you said or did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And a lot of people know that quote. When I ask audiences, I never finish the quote. I let the audience finish the quote, and they always finish it. And then I notice that a handful of people in the room kind of roll their eyes like, okay, it's about making people feel good. But it is. And when we can do that in a real way and not a gamified way, we can reap the organizational and the personal rewards. That's great. I know there's got to be a term for this, but I've seen on social media where people are pretending, well, not really pretending, but they're volunteering for something or they're working for something. And it's really just trying to actually benefit themselves or get the attention. So I'm trying to figure out if you knew if there was a term for that. But as we keep talking, so what's some of the work that you're doing now with organizations? 
Well, right now we are doing sessions that are solely committed to several things that are related to kindness and gratitude. So for example, meditation and mindfulness, those are all things that we do with the folks that we work with. Those are things that we bring into organizations. And it's amazing how organizations are so ready for and wanting of this, and not, I shouldn't say organizations, it's people, how people are ready for this. And I tell you, we work with some very, very hardcore law enforcement sometimes, some people that you would not imagine would ever want to go down the path of gratitude or much more hierarchical, directive, alpha male kind of environments. And once you can break through that initial little vibe, once you get over that initial little barrier, human beings are so wanting for this. So we're doing that. We're doing work with kindness where we are we're incorporating that into all the work that we do. Everything that we do, we do sessions on kindness and on gratitude. I mentioned mindfulness, meditation, emotional intelligence, of course, is just the secret sauce to all this, a strong sense of self-awareness and being able. And I think that's another thing too, the work that we've done with our folks on self-awareness. If you notice, all of this really boils down to the single most important measurable unit, and that is the human being. It's not about, you know, if we want to learn more leadership stuff, more relationship stuff, we can go find a book. You know, you can go to any airport, go to the business section, pull up a new book, and it's always some new kind of fad. But what really matters is what's mattered all along, and that's the ability to touch hearts and souls and to get people to be a little bit vulnerable. We do a lot of work with that, where we help people feel vulnerability. And for some of the folks we work with, they cannot be vulnerable in their work because people will die. I mean, it can be very risky. So how do you tap into that but still maintain the work you have to do but express the vulnerability, extend the vulnerability and the kindness and the gratitude to the people that you work with and your family and friends and, and all the people involved in your life? So yeah, it's busy. It's good stuff. That's really interesting in terms of like the people that can't be vulnerable in their work because other people are relying on them. I don't know how to solve that, but that's just very interesting. How do you get them to kind of take down the barriers of keeping everything in? Well, it's a great question. And I use the example of law enforcement where they have to make split second decisions and they're not going to be able to wrap their arms around someone and talk to them for a while and figure things out. That's not the way that's going to happen. So what happens though, whenever we go through these programs with these folks, we expose them to this kind of thinking and get them journaling and meditating and doing work like that. What happens physiologically is that new neural pathways are created in the brain, which means the brain can now see more. The brain can now be more inclusive and more comprehensive. We only see about 16 to 40 bits of information that come through when there's millions and millions of bits of data that are flowing out in the brain. They're flowing for us to see, but we don't see all that, right? So a lot of the stuff we do is unconscious. The majority of the work we do is unconscious, in fact. And so what happens is that whenever someone can understand and whenever we can get them to understand that whenever you open new neural pathways, you actually, in those split-second decisions, make better decisions because your brain is seeing more. So that's the, the reason for something like mindfulness is to be able to get them to see more. Therefore, when they have to make decisions that are very difficult to make and that are made in a split second, you know, for example, a life and death decision, when that's made in a split second, they're drawing from a greater bank, if you will, because their mind is more open. So they're not going to meditate when their life is in danger. But if they've meditated before, they have a much more clearer mind and clearer neural pathways, and they make better decisions. And that's how you make that connection. And once people buy into that and start the practices and start you know, working on this in their lives, it's just a much better deal for everybody.
That's great. I love it. I think that's incredibly interesting. I hope you write a book someday about that. For our audience, you can see Dr. Patrick Malone at Work Cuban Live in May in San Antonio. And if people want to kind of like find you online, what kind of ways can they follow some of the stuff that you're doing? Oh, absolutely. So the best way is, first off, my email is P, P, Patrick P. Malone, M-A-L-O-N-E, at American.edu. That's one way. You can also go to our website, uh, the Key Executive Leadership Program at American University, and that you just type that into Google. It'll pop right up. And I'm also on Twitter at Dr. Patrick Malone, all one word, Dr. Patrick Malone. And we've got uh, lots of events and things going on, and we try to keep all of our blogs and websites updated. So happy to chat with anyone at any time. Great. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy the new uh, grandchild. Oh, thank you so much, Mike. And back at you here soon. (laughs) (laughs) Any day now. (laughs) Uh, No doubt. All right. Well, thank you. And to all listeners out there, I hope you come see Patrick in May. If you want to see business leaders, culture keepers, and industry experts come together to share the latest research and ideas for making work more human, you need to be at Work Human Live in 2020, May 11th through the 14th in San Antonio. Visit workhuman.com to see the full lineup of speakers and reserve your spot in the number one conference of 2020. 